Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday afternoon. And since it's Thursday, I'd love to welcome back on the program Sadia Osmani. Sadia, so lovely to have you back for this week's Chinwag. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm all right, thank you. Not too bad. The sun is shining, which is lovely. It's always nice to have the sun. Can you see it from the window? I can. It makes such a nice difference just to be able to look outside, doesn't it? And the temperature is just perfect. yeah, today on Chimaik, I was going to talk about sleep um, because um, it's something I was reading an article and especially this new research that has recently come out to say that, you know, if, to keep your brain sharp, um, you need to kind of find the sort of balance of sleep and rest and stuff to really make sure you ward off any horrible things that might affect you. So I suppose, you know, Goldilocks was right in terms of when she was looking to find the right bed to sleep on and to make sure it's comfy because, you know, she said baby bear's bed was absolutely perfect. So um, so looking into it, it's like, you know, I think as we, as we get older, we're probably going to sleep a lot less, like, you know, maybe six to eight hours or less than that. But they say that, like, getting sleep for about six to eight hours a night appears to delay sort of cognitive decline and keep our brains sharp. Um, This is according to a study that was published last week in the journal called Brain. And the study suggests that there is a middle range or sort of sweet spot for total sleep time where cognitive performance was stable over time. And Brendan Lucy, who is the Associate Professor of Neurology and the head of Washington University's Sleep Medicine Center in St. Louis, he's done a study where they monitored um, 100 older, older adults who were tested for cognitive decline and evidence of, you know, early Alzheimer's disease and found that only those who slept six to eight hours retained stable cognitive functioning. Makes sense. Uh, I've had less sleep and then the next day it's all sort of hazy. You feel tired. You feel irritated. Brain fog. Yeah, brain fog. And you feel a bit annoyed or or irritated at like little things. Yeah. Mm. And the thing that the quality of rest that you get every night is just as important as the number of hours slept. So, for instance, if a person slept, say, um, fewer than five and a half hours, their cognitive performance kind of suffered. And then that applied also on the other end of the sleep spectrum in that if you slept, say, more than about seven and a half hours, the cognition declined. So it seems like it's a very careful balance between the amount of sleep and, you know, the time that you have and the the amount of rest that you get from it. So it suggests that quality of sleep may be key as opposed to the total number of hours that you sleep. So, for instance, the recommended amount, they say for adults, It should be at least seven hours a night. Um, And kids, about nine to 12. Teens, about eight to 10. That's according to the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Um, And the quality of sleep you get while your head is on the pillow is critically important. If you wake up frequently due to noises or sleep apnea or you go to the bathroom, and obviously, you know, with children... As you were just saying, uh, that like you know, kids can wake you up every couple of hours. Go to the my toilet. Two year old, my two-year-old's yeah. just been waking up like three to four times a night, and it's just so oh. horrible. Oh gosh! <laughs> so, so that's it. You see, so they're saying that you need to. The sweet spot for sleep is when you can sleep say, continuously through the four stages of sleep, and that's like four to six times each night. And supposedly, like, each cycle of sleep is roughly about 90 minutes long. And most people need to, 
need at least seven to eight hours of relatively uninterrupted sleep to achieve that goal, right? So in stages one and two, the body starts to decrease its rhythms and the heartbeat and breathing gets slower and obviously the body temperature falls. This is why we get, kind of get cold in the night and we need the sheets and stuff regardless of whether it's hot or cold at the time. And obviously eye movements drop and that prepares us for the next stage, which is much more of a kind of deep, slow wave sleep, also known as delta sleep. And this is the time that the brain repairs the body from the day's wear and tear. And during this deep sleep, your body is literally, you know, restoring its kind of cellular level, which is really important because, you know, you think of kids and stuff and you think, look, they need to get a good sleep because that repairs them. But also all of us, we need that just to revive ourselves. It's really important. So the kind of REM sleep comes next. That's the rapid eye movement sleep. This is a stage in which we kind of start dreaming and information experience are consolidated and stored in our memory. And studies have shown that, say, if you miss the REM sleep, that may lead to a kind of memory deficit and poor cognitive outcomes, as well as like, you know, the heart and chronic diseases at, at, and an early death. It's kind of a bit drastic. But if you're not getting, you know, I don't know how it works. Like, I suppose if people are working the night shift, it would be interesting because then they it just flips over then to the day. But sometimes people find it quite hard to sleep during the day because of the light and all sorts of things and, and people going on with their own activities. And it's really important. They said that you have to sort of get, make sure that your environment is good when you're sleeping, your bed is comfortable, and you are absolutely at ease. So, so for instance, is your, are your children like close by? Do they kind of come into the bed every so often? No, they're, they're not really allowed into our bedroom anymore because it's a slippery slope. We did the whole co-sleeping thing and they always want to sleep next to you and they always require you. So we just sort of go into their room and, and comfort them and then just let them sleep on their own. And um, I mean, each to their own. I, I Don't get me wrong. I love the co-sleeping bit, but then it's just they just rely on you just to put them back to mm. sleep. And I think uh, this is just for our family. We just think it's important that they, they, they are able to settle themselves and that um, they can teach themselves uh, how to sleep. But this is when they're a bit older, definitely not when they are still babies. I mean, when they're still babies, they definitely need need, need you to like you know, comfort them and whatnot. Sadia, I was just going to add to that. Um, uh, in terms of the quality of sleep um, and, and the number of hours, it's just um, it's not just the number of hours. It's the it's what time you sleep. So, um, yeah, yeah. we we interviewed uh, some people from the sleep center from the Chinese University of Hong mm. Kong and also from HKU mm -hmm. previously, and they also emphasize that if, for example, you are getting your eight hours of sleep, it's much better to say sleep from ten till six rather than mm, from mm. 3 till three in, three a.m. till um, 11 yeah, in the morning. Yeah, and time each day that you have a regular time that you do go to sleep. That's, That's right. That's that they are saying that, like, in order to improve your deep sleep, that you can, like you were just talking about children and stuff, that it is very much sleep is about training your brain to achieve better sleep. Because I know that you certainly... When, when kids are young, half the problem when children are young is that they don't know how to sleep. Like, you know, they just get really agitated and that's the most irritable sort of time around six, seven o'clock when they're just really knackered. They want to go to sleep, but they don't know how to sleep. And so you have to almost train them. And that's where 
things like the environment comes in and their cot or particular, you know, their, their room, they almost then can a, figure a out that actually room, once I'm room, here, yeah. this is where I sleep and this is when I have to close my eyes and try and go to sleep. But people try all sorts of things to put children to sleep, but it's, it's again training your brain. And they say that you can improve your sleep by training yourself. Like you just said, going to bed and waking up at the same time each day um, you know, the whole sleep environment, a relaxing, you know, relaxing sort of bedtime routine beforehand. Things like yoga and a warm shower and, you know, a not too exciting book, <laughs> you know, and not having your phone because... Um, That's right, because the blue just the light, light from of it. The phone. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that so clearly that like when I've checked my phone um, before I've gone to bed, then I'm wide awake. It's just... You know, you Just can't so excited from the world of oh, social media. No, and hear the you light. cannot sleep, and yeah. it's disrupting. It's just can't do things. Plus, also the temperature in the room. That it is better to have sort of cooler temperatures in the bedroom. It says in this in this um, in this article, it said clearly that the bed should only be used for sleep and sex. <laughs> so, you know, That's okay, true, yeah. just make sure you do. You know, but other things like televisions, blue light emitting gadgets. Smartphones, laptops have no place in the bedroom. But you know, you'd be surprised, though. I mean, like, you I know, know how many people. I've got my tablet sort of in right bed then. sometimes. Yeah, or just quickly, you know, maybe on Netflix or, or something. That's it. I'm sorry, yeah. that's just my door. Hang on one second. Yeah, no um, problem. It's also quite important um, about food and things like that. Um, you have to just like have the right foods and you have to make sure that you're not having fatty foods before you go to sleep. Um, and there's, there's a thing about, you know, lying. If you, if you have too much sugar in your bedtime snacks, that can disrupt your sleep. Alcohol obviously can disturb it. Although quite a few people, you know, do have, a, say, a drink before they go to bed. But then that sort of um, affects them later on when they have to go to the bathroom and then... I think getting up for the bathroom, I think as you age, that is something that you end up doing every mm. so often. And, you know, up to about three times a night. I, I know I get up a couple of times. Mm. And once I'm awake, then it's actually sometimes quite hard to go back to sleep. So I think age, you know, as far as age goes, people, um, they start to have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep without interruption. And there's a, a survey that went in September 2021, a study published in a journal called JAMA Neurology found that elderly people who slept fewer than six hours a night had more beta amyloid in their brain than those who slept between seven and eight hours. So beta amyloid is a hallmark sign of things like Alzheimer's disease. So, you know, you wouldn't think that sleep had such a significant effect. because yeah, um, sleep really now. helps with your memory formation. So if you've got poor sleep, it actually impacts your memory and that ultimately leads to um, memory loss. And, yeah, mm. nobody's really quite sure how, what the link is, but there are strong, there's strong evidence to suggest that sleep uh, or poor quality sleep and dementia um, often uh, go hand in hand. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But again, it's like, I don't know what, how that affects you. If, for instance, people sometimes sleep in the afternoon. It would be interesting to know that, you know, in Europe and a number of countries, they have this kind of siesta time, oh, yeah. you know, where, you know, between two, between 12 and 2 or 2 and 4, you know, suddenly after lunch, people just, just disappear and they, and they go and sleep. If I did so that, I wouldn't be, have my show. Yeah, 
you know, the smartwatches, well, it's not mm. really a smartwatch. It just really tells you about your, your heart rate and, you know, how many steps you've taken. Um, and it also measures your sleep and it links it to the, to the app on your phone. And, and each night mm-hmm. you can see how well you've slept. And really, the way they measure it is, say, you get eight to nine hours of sleep every night. They see how many hours of deep sleep you get. Mm-hmm. And actually, mm-hmm. uh, people really get a maximum of about two hours of deep sleep every Every single yeah. night, so it's actually not which that, is, which is yeah, surprising. It's a lot. No, no yeah. it's not a lot, but um, yeah. it, it is a quality of, of yeah. that sleep, and then it measures yeah. your sleep cycle to see how uninterrupted your sleep is. It's quite yeah. quite a nifty little thing. I'm not sure yeah. how accurate it is because, or maybe it's got a placebo effect because there are days yeah, when you I, know psychologically. Yeah, when I look at it and I think, oh, I had a nice sleep last night, yeah. but you think and then maybe it makes you not. Feel much more stable. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, I'm sure a lot of it is to do with how your mind works and how comfortable you are with that. But generally, what would you say? I mean, do you tend to, I get tend to go to sleep very late. I mean, I'm still up at one, two o'clock almost, you know, every other day because then I'm getting calls and I'm on I'm, the I'm phone to the UK or whatever. So actually it's quite normal. And my husband tends to work quite late. So if he's sitting on his laptop working, I can't sleep until he goes to sleep. Really? So we tend to be up till at least one, one thirty. Um, and weekends much later. So it's interesting because that's the way we work, and yet we all sleep later than if it's a weekend. But we tend to just stay up quite late, and, and that's a bit odd because I think maybe we're missing out on that very important time. <laughs> yeah, because in Chinese medicine, they say between 10 to 2 o'clock, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. is when your yeah. liver regenerates. Yeah. So actually sleeping at that time, you'll find that your body will feel much more revitalized the next day. I mean, yeah. but it's difficult to sort of, you'll have to sort of adjust slowly, but really the best way to go to sleep early is waking up early. If you force yourself to wake up, that's what I had to do. I mean, that's what yeah. happens when you have young young kids. When you've right? got kids that's I know, right. when you've got little ones who just sort of, you know, wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, so mm-hmm. nowadays, I mean, well, not nowadays, but since from a few years ago, I, I usually, I'm in bed by about half nine. I try to get to bed at about quarter to half nine. nine. Gosh, yeah, nine. Qu- quarter to that's nine is when I start to wind down. And what time do you wake I wake up at about six or sometimes five thirty. Yeah. So 
Oh, mm. it's horrible. Oh, I, I miss having a lion. Oh, that, oh I'm going to have to think about this late night now, I think, you know, because it's just really important. I think certainly on the repair side of things, it's very important to make sure you get that sleep. Yeah. But Weekends are a bit better when my husband sort of take it in turns to sort of sleep yeah, until half seven. Yeah. yeah, and half seven's yeah. like, okay, time to wake up. <laughs> Absolutely. Gosh, I don't know how kids do it, though. Kids can just be up for for hours on end and they never get tired. And then regardless of what time they sleep, they're still up at the crack of dawn. (laughs) Yeah, we try to put them to bed a bit later. They still wake up so early, but their bedtime is quite early, to be fair. We try to put our kids to bed at about half seven or eight. Oh, to give you some time. That's right. Good. Well, there's lots of points there. So keep it in mind when you go to bed tonight. I shall certainly try and change my timings as well now, actually. No laptops and no... Too late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'll be the day. We don't have a laptop in the middle of the bed. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guilty of that too. I'm guilty of that. Do you find, just out of curiosity, you know the, the blue light? So they have a setting where they... You can put the night light, or I don't even know what this the setting is called. But on the yeah, on phones and stuff, I dim yeah, it. I find that if I don't yeah. dim it, that's going to wake wake me up completely. That I keep it on very low light um, during the night, so that I don't I don't. And it also gives you a headache. I think if you mm. suddenly look at a bright light, and it can be a shock. I can't be good for your eyes to suddenly have that thrown on your face. So I think you know it's best to sort of keep it dim throughout. But it was, um, but I think it works. I think you know, I have to learn to keep the phone away. Frankly, it's just not a good thing. I know, I know. But um, nowadays, when I sleep, I always keep my phone outside in the living room. It used to be sort of by the nightstand, but now I just don't even want that interference. I don't know. I'm not sure yeah. if there really is that interference, but I just yeah. don't want that. Anyway, Sadia, thank okay, you so good. much for your time this week, and I look thank forward you. to more catches right, with you then. next week. Talk to you next week. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.